Hi, thanks for joining me again. This is Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I'm sorry, I only got through about half of what I wanted to say uh, from Frank Turek's book called Correct, Not Politically Correct, dealing with same-sex marriage and transgenderism. Uh, just a reminder that uh, Turek's book, this is an updated version. First, he spent, I think it was 2008, he spent time and energy uh, talking about homosexuality and same-sex marriage. And then, of course, now we've got a third issue that's been uh, on the front burners, and that's transgenderism. So he's added a lengthy chapter on that, which I want to get to in a future podcast. But what I started in on was going through what he called a six-point case against same-sex marriage. And if you allow me, I'll, I just want to do kind of a quick uh, run-through of what I did last for the last podcast. He said, number one, so six-point case against same-sex marriage. Number one, natural marriage is the foundation for a civilized society. And it's more than just something private. It, it does things for society that government has endorsed because it's so useful. It benefits the couple. It benefits their kids. It benefits our economy. It benefits the whole nation. And it ran through just some of the things that it does as far as lengthening lifespan and civilizing men and protecting women and so on. And kids that come from a natural marriage, how much better off they are than kids who've come from a broken home. Uh, so we'll skip over number one. Number two, he says homosexual behavior is inherently destructive. And uh, he said that gets a lot of people upset, but he looks at data. So it's not just him saying, oh, I had a friend and it didn't turn out well for the friend. But no, it, it's um, things like health problems. Uh, you get increased people who are involved in homosexual behavior, more AIDS, STDs, colon, rectal cancer, hepatitis, and on and on and on. So there's a lot of issues that people are dealing with. Shortens the lifespan of homosexuals greatly. They end up with higher health insurance premiums. Um, he says lesbians have a lot of risks as well, physical risks. Okay, so let me skip over that one as well. So that's number two. And then his third point, let me get to that. The law is a great teacher. That's interesting. And it encourages or discourages behavior. So the homosexual community, the activists, are pushing hard to have the government back same-sex marriage. Now they have. But because they know that once it's put into a law, people look at that and say, well, if it's a law, it must be moral. Uh, but let me, let me go past that one because that seems pretty obvious. So how about number four? Government-backed same-sex marriage would encourage and normalize homo homosexual behavior. It would harm natural marriage, children, adults, and homosexuals themselves. That seems odd, doesn't it? it? It would hurt natural marriage. You'd think there'd just be, come on in. You know, we got more people involved in marriage. But that's not the case. Uh, people who don't like marriage are the ones who are working like crazy to have the same-sex marriage because they want to dilute the appeal and the interest and the appreciation of natural marriage. And they want to erode it and undermine it. And it says it will destroy marriage. And in fact, they have some statistics from different countries who now are having problems with people not wanting to get married at all. What's what's the big deal? Why bother? And I think it was so interesting. I, I referenced a man named David Blankenhorn. Uh, he's, he's the head of the Institute for American Values to try to strengthen families. This guy's a lifelong liberal Democrat. 
Isn't that interesting? He disagrees with the Bible's view of homosexuality, but he said, if you, if you get rid of the marriage angle of having a mom and a dad, so you change that to accommodate same-sex couples, that nullifies all of the value that come in having a mom and a dad. So that's uh, interesting as well. Um, how about marriage? This is interesting. Uh, let's see. In Norway. Okay, in Norway. They have gone along with same-sex marriage for about 20, 25 years. Illegitimacy is exploding. Uh, illegitimacy is that now is more than 80% of women giving birth for the first time do it out of wedlock. Now he said, what we're seeing is the future of marriage. Gay marriage is totally accepted, and marriage itself has almost totally disappeared. So natural marriage ends up weak, and illegitimacy ends up stronger when same-sex marriage is legal. Okay, so that's, uh, I think, an interesting point. How about Scandinavian marriage? What's going on there? Because they're real big on gay marriage. Instead of encouraging a society-wide return to marriage, Scandinavian gay marriage has driven home the message that marriage itself is outdated and that any family form, like, you know, out-of-wedlock parenthood or whatever, everything else is acceptable. So it, it really is harmful. It hurts us by increased taxes and medical insurance premiums and employer benefits being limited, kids being indoctrinated, we being indoctrinated in the workplace, uh, our place of worship, forced to hire homosexuals, curtailing of free speech, religious rights, government, and its intrusive ways are going to grow. And it even hurts homosexuals. That seems odd, doesn't it? But he said, um, let me see if I can find something good here. He said, we're forgetting what's, uh, what love is in our society. If you support and justify homosexuality, that's not real love. And um, he says, it's not real love any more than glorifying drinking helps the alcoholic or celebrating smoking helps wipe out lung cancer the most loving stance now he's quoting another person here the most loving stance for others to take is not to serve as enablers of self-destruction and immoral compulsions but to stand in patient but firm opposition so see this always comes back to me and i think this is so crucial and this is what frank's getting at in more than one place that we as Christians don't want to say, hey, we're against gay marriage. Hey, we're against homosexuality. Hey, we're against transgender. We don't like it. We think it's bad. What, what should we be saying instead? This is not good for our society. It's not good for parents. It's not good for kids. This is something that's going to ruin lives. We want something that's, that's helpful. And so to be loving, we're going to confront this, just like if you had a kid that was doing some self-destructive behavior involved in drugs or whatever it is, we would say, look, I love you, and that's why I'm going to get involved in this. So I think that's really crucial. Does that make sense? I think so, that if we say we love people, we should help them. We should not be supporting and justifying lifestyles that are so damaging. All right, so one more time. Let's go through the four out of the six-point case against same-sex marriage. We'll do the four again, then I'll give you the two new ones. So number one, natural marriage is the foundation of a civilized society. Number two, homosexual behavior is inherently destructive. Number three, the law is a great teacher, and it encourages or discourages behavior. Number four, government-backed same-sex marriage would encourage and normalize homosexual behavior well, yeah, that's obvious. But then what does that do? That ends up harming natural marriage, children, adults, and homosexuals themselves. Okay, so we got two 
of those six points to go against same-sex marriage. Here's number five. The law should promote behaviors that are beneficial and prohibitive, and sorry, and prohibit or at least not endorse any kind of behavior that's destructive. That seems kind of obvious. He says, you know, the state doesn't endorse natural marriage because two people love one another. It's not about love. That's not the basis. That's not why society has always blessed and endorsed natural marriage because man-woman unions benefit the public welfare in a lot of ways that he just talked about. It benefits children. It benefits the couple themselves. It benefits health, reduces social cost, and everything else. He says... Uh, they want to change the law because they know that's the way to change cultural attitudes about their behavior. So apparently what he thinks is going on is homosexual activists and same-sex marriage activists are hoping that state sanctioning and endorsing it is going to lead to social sanctioning and endorsement. But he says, you know, government doesn't exist to validate desires of its citizens when a validation would harm others or society. He says, no, the main purpose of government is to protect its citizens from harm. That's why good laws put out whatever they're, they're doing, whatever the law covers, is to endorse behaviors that are beneficial for the public welfare. Hey, he quotes James Madison. I appreciate this. He's the father of our Constitution. James Madison said, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. He says, well, we're not angels, so government's role is to discourage harm and encourage good. He says, you don't have much of a society if it flips that around where it discourages good and encourages harm. All right, so that's five, number five. So it seems obvious the law should promote good behaviors that help people, not destructive behaviors. Then number six, therefore, he says, based on the other five, the law should promote natural marriage and provide no option for government-backed same-sex marriage or civil unions. So he said... What do you th he said, if you haven't been convinced up to this point, he said, let me ask you a question. What would be the effect on society if everyone lived faithfully in natural marriage? So just picture that. What would it be like if everybody was living faithfully in natural marriage? He said, well, huge reduction in crime, reduction in welfare, reduction in abortion, reduction in child abuse. He said, okay. What would the effects be on society if everybody lived faithfully in same-sex marriage? Well, it'd be the end of the human race itself. He says, you're not going to get universal homosexuality, obviously, but he said, homosexuality is not good for individuals or societies. Now, he said, governments can't feasibly prohibit all negative behaviors, but they can avoid promoting those that are. So he said, you know, at least they've got to avoid promoting homosexual behavior and same-sex marriage. Now, of course, it sounds pretty late for him to be talking about this since the government has, since he wrote the book, has endorsed and allowed same-sex marriage. But, I mean, still, the argument needs to be made. We can't just say, well, it's law now, that's okay. Well, I mean, remember what happened with Roe v. Wade. They said uh, abortion was okay, and people fought it long enough that it's being reversed. So those are the... Six point, uh, six points that he's bringing up against same-sex marriage. I think for another time, I don't think I have the time now, but I want to cover a section that he has on answering arguments for same-sex marriage. In other words, people will say, hey, Frank, what about? Or, hey, Frank, yeah, but. And so he answers questions like these. Are all kinds of sexual contact the same? 
Is sexual contact ever unhealthy and or unloving? Should the government promote harmful behavior? Should people act on every desire they have? Is there a difference between skin color and sexual behavior? Are children usually better off with a mom and a dad, or is parenting irrelevant to their development? Should the government endorse behavior that's usually harmful, but in rare exceptions is not? Is there a difference between religion and morality? If marriage has been weakened by liberalized divorce laws, does it make sense to weaken it further by liberalizing marriage laws? So these are the kinds of questions that he's going to tackle next. I'm going to save those. Uh, again, the book is called Correct, Not Politically Correct. Author is Frank Turek, Turek that's T-U-R-E-K. Watch some of his things on uh, YouTube. Uh, take a look at his debates. There's a really interesting debate that we used in our apologetics class at our church a few years back. He was deba debating uh, the late Christopher Hitchens, who was, of course, that atheist. And it was really interesting to watch. <clears throat> Turek was the one who had the information. Turek is the one who had the support. Turek is the one who was organized. And Hitchens spent his whole time cracking jokes, basically, and just responding emotionally, which I think is funny because you think a person who says, we're part of the brights, we're part of the atheists, we use our minds, we don't use our, uh, our silly intuitions and our wishful thinking for Christianity and other religions. No, we're, we look at things in a tough, logical, reasoned light. But you look at some of these debates, and uh, you see if you can find the one with Turek and uh, Hitchens debating the existence of God. And what you're going to discover is it was Hitchens who failed to bring a solid evidential case against the existence of God. He just went off and talked about how much he disliked God. So uh, Turek has a lot of good material out there. His book, again, was called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Really, really good book. It's probably one of the, I don't know, maybe one of four or five books that I would I would lock away and make sure nobody ever got a hold of them. And if I was on a desert island, that would be the book that I'd want. Uh, so I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. There are so many copies out now. I bet you could find a used one somewhere really cheap. You wouldn't even have to buy a, a brand new one. So this book is Correct, Not Politically Correct. Uh, thank you, and we'll do another podcast soon.